0: We get to come together at other times. Man, I'm so excited for the next nine weeks. I have to be honest. I did not have enough faith for this turnout tonight. I thought we'd get 30 or 40 people. You guys are awesome. Give yourselves a round of applause. Man. I knew God was up to something, but I didn't know it was going to be this good. I am fired up. I'm excited. We were scrambling to fill more communion cups, like 30 seconds on the countdown clock. Oh my gosh, we underestimated this. What an awesome problem to have, man. Such a great night. I'm so excited that you guys are here. I know we got a couple rows that we've taken out to make some room for people to worship down front. Do your best to find a seat if you need to grab some of these seats off the side uh, just to make some, some space for yourself to sit. Go ahead and do that, but we'll probably put those aside again later because we're going to come back and worship a little bit in just a minute but before you do as you make your way back to your seat I want you to find three people that you don't know and tell them your name even if you don't even if you've introduced yourself before just hey this is my name and then they can tell you their name we're gonna get to know each other uh, it's gonna be awesome wherever you go no matter what it is that life may bring try to remember these things because it doesn't even matter if you always try to the sky, everything's gonna be alright, doesn't matter how hard it gets, just never forget the price you've been involved with, and even if it never really goes away, remember the word that I'm trying to say, it'll be okay, it'll be okay. Once again, if there's not enough seats, feel free and grab one of these off on the side. We don't want anybody feeling like they got to sit on somebody's lap or something crazy like that. Oh, man, once again, it is awesome to see all of you in God's house. Um, I am really looking forward to the next nine weeks. And at the same time, I am really glad that we don't always have a Sunday night service. Uh, It's nice to be able to go home and relax, uh, but it's also nice to be able to set aside a couple of months to to get closer to God. And and not just to get closer to God, but to learn some practical things. So why are we doing this? This is out of the norm. This is unusual for us. What is this thing all about? Well, the answer is very simple. It's in the name. And we want to grow. We want to grow. I believe that, that God wants us to grow. And when I say he wants us to grow, I believe that God wants us to reach more people. Not that we can say, hey, we have more people that come to church. Not that we can say we have a bigger number, but because every number represents an eternity. Every person, every individual represents someone who's going to spend eternity with God or not. And we believe that, that God has commissioned his people to reach the world. Uh, and so part of that is, man, a city church, we need to grow. And so if we're going to grow as a church, then I need to grow as a person. I need to grow as a pastor. You need to grow as a person. God's kingdom doesn't grow without God's people growing first. And so, in order to, to reach the city, in order to take the steps that we're fired up to take in September, uh, we're going to set aside a couple of months and, and we're going to stretch. And for me, man, Sunday night church is a stretch. I didn't grow up with the Sunday night thing. I know a lot of people did. I think we went, my, my parents were church hoppers. So, I think there was like one church we went to that did the Sunday night thing. But for the most part, Sunday nights were like home improvement in America's funniest home videos. That was, that was my Sunday nights. Uh, so I know a lot of you, Lynn, you, that was like a part of your life growing up. Man, we go to church on Sunday nights. Um, for me, it's a stretch. It's unusual. It's different. But man, it's good sometimes to stretch. It's good sometimes to do something that's not comfortable. I'm taking a class right now. Um, about the, the history of the Assemblies of God. I actually just started this class. And if, if you don't know, we are a non-denominational church. We're loosely affiliated with the Assembly of God denomination. What, what we say is we line up with the Assemblies theologically. If you know what the Assemblies believes, we, we believe the same things, but we don't really operate the same way. Our methods are a little bit different. Um, so we're, we're an interno- interdenominational church uh, affiliated with the Assemblies. So I'm taking this class, and, and it's talking about the, the history of, of different moves of God. Man, different people, different individuals that God used in a mighty way, and so I've already seen, uh, man, things about John Wesley in Europe, in England, and how God used him in this massive way, and Charles Finney, um, and then William J. Seymour here in Azusa Street back in 1915 in the United States, and the Pentecostal outpouring, and all these things that God did, all these situations where massive amounts of people got saved, where massive amounts of people got healed, massive amounts of people got delivered, and I read that stuff, and I get fired up. Man, when I read the Bible and I see, like, something supernatural, like this morning we talked about, like, the parting of the Red Sea, I read something like that and, I'm like, I want to see something like that. Like, I want to be a part of something like that. I've always been that way. Anytime I see a story like that or hear something, I'm like, why not us? Why not us? Why not now? Why not here? Why have we not, how have I not experienced some of those things that, that I believe absolutely that God can do and that he wants to do? And so I want to answer that question for you tonight, but before I get to the answer to that question of why not us, I want to do a little bit of review. A, a few weeks ago, I think about five weeks ago, we laid out a, a standalone message. We called it Our Next Steps. We set a goal that September the 13th, we are going to go from one service to two services on Sunday morning. And, and so we believe that, that we're going to stretch, that we're going to start having a service a little bit earlier, another one a little bit later, to make room for God to use us to reach more people. Obviously, our facility is not the biggest, uh, and we are not going to use that as an excuse. We're not going to say, well, this is as many people as we can reach because there's more that we can reach if we'll stretch, if God's people will we'll do something that's maybe not comfortable, something that maybe is a little bit different for us. So we laid out five steps for us to take, and I want to give you those as a review as we start our Grow Leadership Nights, just so all of us are, are kind of fresh in the things that we are asking you to do. Number one thing that we're asking you to do start praying now man if you haven't done this over the last five weeks it is not too late there is still time for us to go before god and begin to ask him to use us in a mighty way to begin to ask him to give us wisdom to take these steps the right way that we would see exactly his best for the steps that we can take man i invite you i ask you i encourage you i beg you pray for city church this, I believe, is going to be the most pivotal six months in the history of this church because I believe that this is going to be the season we're going to look back and we're going to remember these Sunday nights. I believe there's going to be a day five, ten years down the road when, when City Church is in a totally different place and we're going to look back and we say, this is when it started. This is when God did something. This is when we moved from being just a group of people that would get together once a week to being the family of God. This is when we took a step from from having a God-given community. Man, I'm not knocking City Church. I love who this church is, and I love where we're at, but I'm not content to where we're at. I believe that God's got more, and I believe that that he's placed in me a hunger and a desire to see us walk in more, and, and I hope that he's placed that in you. So begin to pray. Number one. Number two thing that we're asking you to do, and you can give yourselves a round of applause for this, is join us for Girl Leadership Nights on Sunday, starting July 12th. So you did that. You got that one checked off the box. You're here for the first night, and we're going to do eight more of these. Uh, they're not going to all look like this. This, like I said this morning, this feels like a service. We're doing worship. We're doing communion. I'm basically preaching a sermon. This is a Sunday night service. The rest of these aren't going to be this. What we're going to do uh, over the next eight weeks is we're going to study some real practical leadership. There's an organization called Catalyst that, that trains up leaders. Uh, I'm a big believer in it. I went to a conference uh, through Catalyst uh, last year. Um, and they've got some material on eight characteristics of a Catalyst leader. A Catalyst is something that, that is an agent of change. If you introduce a Catalyst into a chemical equation, it forces change, it catalyzes change, it increases the potential for change. And so we believe that God wants to raise up a generation of Catalyst leaders, That God wants to send you as a catalyst leader to your workplace. That you're going to be an agent of change. That you're going to be an agent of change at your school. That you're going to be an agent of change in your family, in your neighborhood, in your community. And whatever circle of influence God has placed you in, we believe that we need catalyst leaders in them. And so we're going to do real practical leadership stuff. Most of these are not going to be super spiritual. You're probably not going to see me cry every week on Sunday nights, All right, So be grateful for that. You'll probably see me cry tonight. Just be ready. Uh, But but the next few weeks, you probably won't. It's going to be real nitty-gritty, just practical stuff. Bring a notepad, bring a pen, bring an open heart, because we're going to raise ourselves up as leaders. I believe if God's kingdom is going to grow, we have to grow. And, and when I look at City Church, I see so many things that I'm so proud of. I see people that love people. I've never seen a church that is so non-judgmental. I've never seen a church that just doesn't talk junk about each other. It's amazing how, all, like I talk to other pastors all the time, and I'm like, man. I feel so sorry for you. Like, I don't know how you deal with all this stuff. And I'm so grateful for the things that I see in our church. I'm glad that you love each other. I'm glad that you want to serve. Man, we had over, We I would said 80, but we went back and counted in the picture. We had over 90 people on the 4th of July national holiday out here ready to serve our community. You guys are freaks. Like, you're just different. I'm not. I love it. I am so proud of this church. But if I was to say, man, here's one area where we can grow. Here's one area that I haven't done a good job of leading this church. I haven't done a good job of teaching real, practical, raw leadership. How do we become people of influence? Because our community, our culture needs some Christians who are filled with the Holy Spirit, who are fired up about what God's doing in their life, who are going to go in and have some influence. And so we want to we tap into the power of God, and then we want to send you out with very practical ways for you to be influencers in the community. And they may not be super spiritual. So that's what we're going to do over the next few weeks. One of these weeks, I believe it's August the 14th or 16th, whatever that Sunday is, it's the 16th. Um, We're actually gonna be doing breakout sessions for each of our ministry departments. So if you are in the worship team there will be a worship meeting. If there's a kid, you're in the Kid City team, there will be a Kid City meeting. If you're First Impressions, there will be a First Impressions meeting, and those meetings are going to be specific to steps that we need to take to get to two services. How is two services going to affect us as a First Impressions team? How are two services going to affect us as a Kid City team, as a worship team, as a media team, whatever your area might be? Now, a lot of you serve in multiple areas, and so we're going to identify the priority area for you like, Hey, this is the area that you serve in the most or the area that the training is going to be most important for you to be in. So we'll, we'll help you make that, uh, the decision. Um, But that's going to be August 16th. If you don't serve yet at City Church, I got great news for you because number three is get plugged in. Uh, So we are not forgetting about you. If you don't have a ministry yet, if you haven't identified that, we want to help you find one. Um, The first step to getting plugged in is become a member here at City Church. If you feel like, hey, this is my church. This is the church that God has me at for this season, not for life. We know that God may move you on at some point in time. God may move you out of the area or or whatever. That's okay. But if you feel like, hey, right now for this season, season I see myself as a part of this family we'd love for you to go through membership with us we're going to start our, our next next steps which is our membership program two weeks from today July twenty sixth. there's a sign up out at the connection center um, it's three Sunday mornings before church at 8 30 where you come we're going to meet over here at the Olive Ranch Public Library and tell you who we are tell you what we believe, tell you how we operate, how our leadership structure works, and then, man, at the end of that, if you feel like, hey, this is the church I wanna be a part of, we're gonna offer you the opportunity to get plugged in to serve at City Church. So, so we invite for you to do that. One thing I forgot to say real quick about Grow Leadership, our last Grow Leadership night, September the 6th, that's the night before Labor Day. So I know some people are probably gonna be out of town for Labor Day weekend, you're gonna be at the beach, at the lake, whatever. For those of us who, who are here, uh, we're gonna be catering in barbecue, we're gonna do some barbecue sandwiches after. Afterwards, we're gonna have a little celebration, a little party. Got something real special afterwards. But before we get to that, we're gonna do a worship night. Um, I'm not gonna talk for very long at all—five or ten minutes—and uh, we're gonna we're gonna spend some some elongated time in worship. We're, we're gonna do a lot more songs than normal. Uh, we're gonna seek God together because we got one. That's the, that's the the finish line. We're one week away, so we're gonna worship and we're gonna spend some very some very intentional time in prayer seeking God. That's the one week where you know we I've promised. Hey, we will be done. By seven o'clock every week. I'm not promising that for that last week. We might go a little over, it, but we're feeding you dinner, so it's okay. Uh, so be ready for that. Um, so number three, like I said, let's get plugged in. Number four take the next step in giving. Um, we need to raise $8,000 to do some things here in the facility, to get some more AC. I am sweating bullets up here, and I'm in shorts and a t-shirt. Uh, so we're going to get some more AC in here. I know some of you guys have got the fans going out there. Trying, I know it's, it, it can be warm. So we're going to get some more AC. We're going to get some more signage for some specific things. And we want to do a mail-out. The mail-out is going to be a, a five-mile radius around the building just to tell people that we're going to two services and to invite them to our new series that starts that first week, which is going to be called Cow Tipping. We're going to tip over some sacred cows in the church, some things that we believe that the Bible doesn't actually say. So I want to give you an update on our next steps. We've had some commitment cards come in. I think we got some more out at the Connection Center if you want to grab one and pray over what God would lead you to do. Um, we've set the goal of $8,000. Um, of that $8,000, we've already brought in 2650 So we're over 25% of the way, and this was actually the official first day. Um, so we're already doing really, really well. We have 2,200 more that's been pledged. Um, So we have a total of 4,850 that's either come in or that's been pledged. So we're a little over $3,000 shy between the pledges. Um, And I know a lot of people haven't had a chance to turn their cards in. Um, So man, I would encourage you just ask God, God, what do you have us to do? And if God doesn't tell you anything, if God doesn't put it on your heart, that's okay. Uh, But we want to see God do something great through us. And part of that is taking the next step in giving. So the last thing uh, is to be here September the 13th. That's the fifth thing we ask, man. Come join with us as as we do our two services. The plan right now, and and I say right now because these are always subject to change, but the plan right now is we want to do a a tailgate party after service that first Sunday, so actually after both services. It's the first day of the NFL season, so it's a perfect day for a tailgate party. It kind of themes in perfectly. The series is called cow tipping. So we're going to do some cow flipping and flip some burgers after service. Um, it's just going to tie together just, just right. Um, so we invite you to be here and to bring somebody on September the 13th. All right, that's enough for the, the pre- preliminary stuff. Let's get back to our question today. Why not us? Why can we not be a part of something like what we've seen in scripture, like something that we've seen in church history. Well, there's no answer to that. We can be if we want to be. um, But there is, I think, one big step that we have to take to get that. But before we do, um, we were at camp a couple weeks ago and got back from camp. And I don't know if you guys are on Facebook. I know a lot of you aren't. I'm on Facebook probably more than I should be. Um, And so I get on Facebook and there's like two massive controversies. There's Gay marriage has been legalized while we're at camp, uh, and the rebel flag might be coming down. And people are freaking out over rainbow flags and confederate flags. Uh, And so people are are all over the place on on these two issues. Um, And and the gay marriage thing really jumped out at me because, number one, I, I believe absolutely in the authority of the word of God you study the Word of God, there's just nowhere where it reflects positively at all on homosexual sin. It's just its clear that it's sin. There's just no other way to say it. It just is. But I had all these conservative friends. and I come from a very conservative family. And they are freaking out. This is the end of America. God's wrath is coming. God's judgment is coming. They're allowing gay people to get married. And so let me give just a couple responses to that. And it's going to set up where I want to go. First of all, The fact that they're allowing gay people to get married doesn't mean any more people are lost today than were lost two weeks ago. Nobody lost their salvation. Nobody walked from being a Christian to being a non-Christian because they legalized gay marriage. I'm not in favor of it. I wouldn't vote for it. I don't think it's a good thing for our country. But even if it was illegal tomorrow... It's not all of a sudden people turning back to God. My issue, my my hope for America is that we get our heart right. Our conduct will follow our heart. But if our heart is far from God, it doesn't matter what our law says. It doesn't matter what what the Constitution says. It doesn't matter what the Supreme Court says. If our heart is far from God, all of that is just secondary. So my hope is that we would see God's people turn back to God, number one, and as God's people turn back to God, Others will follow. But there's, there's this whole mindset of man, we need to blame liberals. It's this liberal judge and this liberal president and this liberal politician and this liberal movement. And, and, and I get it to a point, but I also think this, and I blogged about this, some of you guys may have seen the blog. I think it's our fault. I think any time that America moves away from God, it's not the fault of culture. It's not the fault of Hollywood. It's not the fault of whatever label you want to throw on it. It's, it's the fault of God's people not being God's people. Because if we are who God's called us to be, if we have the love of God, if we have the, uh, the authority of God because we walk in righteousness, we have some moral authority to speak into the culture, our culture never would have got to this place. Over the last 50 years, God's church has not been what God's called it to be. And because we haven't walked in righteousness, because we've seen so many scandals in the church, because so many preachers have stolen money, because so many people have had an affair or walked in this or walked in that, why would the world say, that's what I want to be like? Why would they say, I want to listen to you? So God's people have to get right. And I want to show you this in scripture. Second Chronicles chapter seven fourteen. Many of you can probably quote this. says, if my people, everybody say, that's That's me. Look at the person next to you say, that's you. God says, if my people, if you're a Christian today, if you are saved, if you're spending eternity in heaven, this is for you. If my people who are called by my name, what are we called? We're called Christians. We're called by his name, right? Christ. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and we'll forgive their sin, and we'll hear their land. Everything in this verse is pointed at God's people getting right, and when God's people get right, the nation gets right. And so many times we're pointing all these fingers about these people are doing this, and they're messing up on that, and I don't just want to speak to the gay issue. I don't even like talking about homosexuality because the Bible doesn't say a whole lot about it. It makes it clear that it's sin, but it's not the number one issue on God's heart. The number one issue on God's heart is God's people serving him. It just is. And so God says, I want you to get right. Church, I want you to get right. Pastor, I want you to get right. City church, I want you to get right. I'm not worried about the people who are lost getting in any more sin. They're already lost. The only way they're going to get unlost is if a holy, righteous, spirit-filled church goes out and shows them the love of Jesus. And that's what breaks God's heart. It's not... Legalizing One more sin There's already a ton of sins in America that were legal Right? There's already a whole plethora of sin That we are legally allowed to do One more sin is not going to push this country Over the brink A church that does not follow God That is not pure That does not care about what his word has to say That's what's going to destroy America It's got nothing to do With the culture It starts with us and so I got home from camp, and, and man, we had this amazing camp experience. By the way, we got some incredible teenagers, don't we? Don't you love these young people up here? Y'all are awesome. I don't get to spend as much time with them as I used to, so camp was a great breath of fresh air for me, man. It's so cool to see how you guys follow God and, and care what he has to say. But I got back from camp, and I saw all this stuff, and, and God just, just started to convict me. He said, Troy, you're a pastor. This is on you. You haven't led your church to follow me to the degree that I've called them to. You got a good thing going. They love me. They want to know me. But you haven't challenged them. You haven't spoken the truth boldly and directly as I've asked you to. So he said, it's on you. And so I had to repent. And so what I did is I repented, and then... I changed my schedule because tonight was supposed to be the first week of Catalyst Leader and we were going to dive in and get real practical and God said, you can't even worry about raising up leaders because I'm not worried about putting leaders in the community. I'm worried about putting godly leaders in the community. And if you teach them how to lead, but they're not close to me, if I don't have their heart, it's not going to make a difference. So earlier on, I used this, this phrase that I grew up hearing a lot because I grew up very fluent in Christianese. Some of you have heard it. Some of you have used it. I I use this phrase, move of God, right? Like we want to see a move of God. We've seen all these moves of God, and and I I get that phrase. Like I said, I grew up hearing it. I know exactly what it means, but what what I feel like God is saying is we need to quit waiting on a move of God or asking for a move of God, and what we really need to see is a move of us towards God. See, when, when God's people move towards God, that's when God moves. God's not up there in heaven just kind of chilling, waiting to say, you know what? Arbitrarily, I'm going to send revival to Memphis. That sounds like fun, right? Like, I'm going to send revival to Olive Branch. I'm going to move in that community. And he's not just, like, spinning a wheel and it lands on the name of a city. He's like, go. You're getting... When does God move in a city? When God's people move towards him. That's when God shows up. That's when God does something. That's when masses of people come to salvation. That's when people get healed. That's when things change. That's when chains break is when God's people move towards him. James 4.8 says that if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. So if we're going to see a move of God in the next couple of months, if we're going to see God do something in a community that needs him, it starts with us. Why not us? Why not us? The only answer is because we don't want it bad enough. That's it. Because if we want it bad enough, if we're willing to take the steps that God's word lays out for us, he is going to show himself real. He's going to show himself powerful. He's going to show up at your workplace. He's going to show up in your family. He's going to show up in your conversation. He's going to intensify the anointing he has on your gifts. He's going to do something in our town if we want it bad enough. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Humble themselves. What is humbling myself? It's repenting. It's acknowledging that, God, you're greater than I am. I don't have it all together. I've got junk in my life that doesn't need to be there. I'm sorry. So why not us? The answer mostly is because we don't humble ourselves. Because we're content in our mediocre Christianity because we're content in our complacency because we're content to show up to church once a week and not open a Bible all week night long, not spend any time in prayer, and I'm pointing the finger at myself. I'm not, I'm not a hellfire and brimstone preacher. That's not who I am. That's not my heart. But God's calling us to something better, guys. God wants to do something in our city. I believe it with all my heart, but he can't do it out there until he does it in here. And we've got to open our heart to allow him to do it. So I've got goals, man. I've got things I want to see God do. I believe this might sound crazy to you, but I believe from September to to December 31st, those four months, I believe that we're going to see 50 legitimate first-time salvations. When I say legitimate first-time salvations, I don't mean that person who's a little confused and who raises their hand every other week because, man, God's spoken to them, and they felt a tug, and I love those people, and I'm grateful for them, but I'm not talking about the confused person who's already been saved for 10 years and is just trying to get right. I'm talking about people who are far from God. I think God wants to see 50 people through the ministry of City Church, not just in our services, but through our people going out, reaching out, loving people, being Jesus. I think he wants to see 50 people saved in this fall. I don't know if it's going to happen. I could be totally wrong. It might be 52. might be 54. But I think it's going to happen if we turn to him. We're going to lay out some practical steps to do that. But before it happens, we've got to Repent. So, I want to answer some questions, and we're going to take communion in just a minute. Why do we repent? Why am I asking you to repent? What am I asking you to repent of? Well, first of all, when I'm asking you to repent, I don't want you to repent because you're afraid of what God will do to you if you don't. Okay, that, that's not the message today. The message is not repent because if you don't repent, God's wrath is going to pour out on you. Because if you don't repent, a train's gonna run you over tonight or lightning's gonna strike or like, please don't hear that in what I'm saying today. If you are a Christian, you, God's grace has been extended to you. God's wrath cannot pour out on you. God's wrath and his grace cannot pour in the same direction. It can't happen. So if you, are, if you are a Christian, if you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, if Jesus' blood that we sang about has washed your sins away, you don't have to be afraid of what'll happen if you don't repent. Well, if I don't have to be afraid of it, then I repent. Here's why I want you to repent today. I want to ask you to repent, not because you're afraid of what will happen if you don't, but because you're afraid of what won't happen if you don't. Because you're afraid that God won't be able to Because you're afraid that you'll never experience the fullness of his presence. Because there's sin that's preventing you from from getting to him completely. I want us to repent because we fear missing out on being a part of what God wants to do in the life of our neighbor. Of what God wants to do in the person that we work with. That's why I want us to repent because we're afraid of missing the next great move of God. That's what I'm repenting for. I know my salvation is taken care of. I know I can't be any more saved than I am today. I can't be any less saved than I am today. That's done. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. I can't change it. I can't fix it. He's done it. But I do believe that my repentance can affect what God can do in my life. See, the Bible says that God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. And when we proudly walk in sin, when we proudly have junk in our life, complacency, when we proudly say, you know what, this is just it. I've plateaued as a Christian. I don't need to open the Bible. I don't need to seek his face. I don't need to really press in and worship. I don't need to ask him to speak through me to people in my community. When we reach that point and we're just content with where we're at, that's pride. The Bible says that God resists it. And I don't know about you, but God's got stronger arms than I do. If he's resisting, I ain't going anywhere. If he's resisting, I'm going to stay stuck in the same place. But the Bible says that he gives grace to the humble. So when I hit my knees, when I repent of my complacency, when I ask him to forgive me of my sin, he extends that grace to me, he draws me close to him, and then he empowers me and enables me for the things that he's called me to do. I don't want you to repent because you're afraid of what will happen if you leave here. Don't do that. I don't serve a God who's going to send a car to run you over because you didn't repent today. I, I went to those youth events, those youth rallies where everybody had to get saved because if you walk out of here, you're getting run over. I never knew anybody get run over after a youth rally. never happened, all right? Um, I'm, not, I'm not saying nobody I happened to, but it didn't happen in my youth rallies. I want you to get right with God. Because you want him to use you. Because you want to see him show up mightily in our community. Jim Cimbala wrote a book called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. In his book, he said this incredible quote that's haunted me since I first read it. He said, I despaired at the thought that my life might slip by without seeing God show himself mightily on our behalf. I despaired. At the thought that I might live and I might die. I might go to heaven and stand before God. And I've never seen God move mightily on my behalf. Because I just lived an average, mediocre, plain Christian life. I despair at that thought. I'm not willing to live that life. If that means I have to be separated, if that means people have to think I'm a little weird or a little different, if that means I have to repent and turn away from some habits, I'm willing to do it because I want to see God do something. I want to see God show up. I want to see God cause a revival in our community. I want to see America turn back to God, and it's not going to happen with picket signs. It's not going to happen at the voting booth. It's going to happen with God's people on their knees. And I want to be a part of it. And I want to challenge you to take that step yourself, to be a part of it as well. So I repent. Three quick reasons, and then we're going to take communion. In fact, worship team, if you guys want to come down, if you want to drop the lights. Three reasons to repent. Repent because you want to open the door to God's favor in your life. God resists the proud, so if he's resisting you, you're not going to have his favor. So repent because you want his favor. Number two, repent because repentance reminds us of our need for God's grace. Number three, repent, because you're genuinely sorry that you haven't lived up to what he's asked you to do. You're genuinely sorry for your sin. You're genuinely sorry that you've allowed stuff into your life that you knew wasn't God's best. So we're going to take communion in just a second. When we do, between now and then, I want to invite you to repent. I'm going to invite you just to, to spend some time with God. We've opened up space down here. If you want to come down here and get on your knees or on your face, you're welcome to. If you want to turn at your chair on your knees, if you want to just kneel before God, just to take a moment in your seat. But I want to invite all of us to repent. If there's anything in your life that, that doesn't line up to what you know God has for you, and I don't do this to condemn you. I don't want to put fear in you. I want to challenge you that God's got something better. And I want his best. But we're not gonna get his best until we get right with him. We're not gonna get his best by standing up and puffing our chest and saying, I've got it going on. We're gonna get God's best by lowering ourselves, by humbling ourselves, by posturing ourselves humble before a holy God and saying, God, I missed it. God, I knew that you had something better for me. I knew that you had called me to speak to that person about Jesus and I missed it. I was quiet. God, I knew that you wanted me to use my gift, but I held that gift for myself because I was afraid of what people would think. God, I know that you've called me to be in your word on a regular basis and I've just been lazy. I don't have any excuse. I've spent my time doing every other thing but seeking you. And God, I'm sorry. I'm inviting you, I'm challenging you as God's people to repent, man, to repent as a husband for, for the poor way that you've led your wife. Repent as a parent for the poor way that you've led your kids. And I'm not trying to sit here and say you're suck and you're terrible, and everything you've ever done is wrong. That's not what I'm saying, man. There's some awesome people in this room, and I'm so proud to be friends with you. I'm so proud to be your pastor. But if God's going to heal this land, it starts with his people getting right. And he sent me here to say that. And if it offends some people today, it offends some people. But I love you too much to keep my mouth shut. I love you too much to not allow him to speak and to encourage you to repent to get right with him so if you would first row if you'll come down grab a piece of bread grab a cup head back second row if you everybody will just kind of cycle through grab the elements of communion we'll take partake together in just a couple of minutes but as soon as you get back to your seat i invite you to repent if there's anything that you know is not of God in your life. If there's anything that you know in your heart you've withheld from him, anything that you haven't lived up to, I don't want you just to repent of, of things that you've done, but I man of the things that you know that, that you haven't done that you know that he's asked you to. I don't know what those things are, but I know the Holy Spirit will speak them to you. Take just a couple of minutes, attitude of prayer.